Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ben and Brand See a Movie. And this is a very different week of the show than we had originally thought for a few reasons. One, due to Omicron, we've kind of just changed for the next few weeks how Branson and I are recording just to be a little extra precautious. I know both of us have had scares in our life recently. We're taking we're taking the necessary precautions. Yeah, we're just going to be a little bit safer, at least for these next two weeks. Uh, and then we'll kind of isolate at home. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll kind of see where it goes uh, towards the end of the month, see if everything's kind of calmed down. And yeah, we're okay with, to cough on each other. Yeah, you know, Again. with work, sometimes it just happens where you're just surrounded by people and it seems like everyone you know is testing positive, which... If you're listening, that's probably the scenario happening to you, too. So we don't have to explain ourselves any further than that. The other thing that makes this week very different is because uh, it's another week where we've just lost somebody who meant a lot to a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, earlier this week on January 9th, we lost Mr. Bob Saget, uh, of course, famously Danny Tanner from Full House, very funny stand-up comedian, very raunchy stand-up comedian. Yeah, I've more, way more raunchy than I uh, than I expected or remembered. I watched I watched a bit of his stand-up. Yeah, it's, um, and it was it was an interesting sort of raunchy. Yeah, strangely and enough. And I mean, obviously, I mean, like a lot of us grew up with him. I mean, if you're from the early '90s to late '90s. There's just so much you grew up with him, whether it was Full House in the 90s, then, of course, America's Home Funniest Videos in the late 90s, early 2000s, with, of course, him then becoming the narrator to How I, How I Met Your Mother. There was just a lot that he had done on that kind of just like 25, 30-year run there that just makes him one of the most influential TV personalities of all time, a very beloved figure uh, within Hollywood and one that again a lot of us who are probably below the age of 40 have pretty fond memories watching him growing up so this one was a real bummer to lose to say the least yeah I this was this was also sad in the wake of like a couple other uh big celebrity deaths um so yeah it was just kind of taking taking all of those in uh at once but to, or, to honor uh, Bob Saget's memory, uh, Ben suggested that we do, we talk about the movie Dirty Work today, which also, which is directed by Bob Saget and also stars Norm MacDonald. So this is kind of a twofer uh, way to sort of talk about uh, those two, those two tent poles of comedy uh, by, by way of this movie Dirty Work. Uh, yeah. So, Ben, do you want to do you want to give a little summary about Dirty Work? Yeah, let me just kind of finish off with these thoughts on Bob yes. Saget just real quick. January 9th, uh, two thousand twenty-two is when he passes in Florida at the age of at the age of sixty-eight, sixty-five. Oh, so yeah, it. he passed on January 9th, twenty twenty-two, at the age of sixty-five in. Uh, Florida doesn't seem to be a conclusive reason. Uh, but yeah, obviously there's been a lot of outpouring, a lot of love for him this week. And we just kind of wanted to just speak about him. Norm's humor. It was, he, think, he passed yeah. away uh, right after a performance as well. Yes. He had like doing a performed performance. the night before and he was supposed to perform that night. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, we the reason... We ended up changing it because if you remember, we were supposed to do MacGruber this week. We ended up deciding to change it, one, obviously, as an honoring in Bob Saget's memory. And two, also to get to remember Norm MacDonald, who they were so famously close, Bob Saget and Norm MacDonald. Mm. And I think I think more the reason uh, I wanted to talk about Dirty Work specifically of like all the Bob Saget projects is one obviously because you get norm in there but two like this like felt like a bob saget project like if you know his comedy and you know norm's comedy this kind of is that mishmash of the both of them yeah yeah it is a it's a really good balance of like you can tell the the writing 
of of Bob Saget and sort of the raunchiness, and then also sort of the uh, the shaggy dog, sort of every man guy telling jokes out of a joke book sort of delivery of Norm. Yeah, uh, there's a the, lot of <laughs> to describe Norm as the every man's every man doesn't feel right because that's not what Norm is, but he definitely has no. this way of delivery where it is just the I don't care. <laughs> And right. He, he uh something that I that I admire about him and like the more that I watch of him the more and more I see it of course is just in especially in his stand up uh he always told jokes for himself first and I've seen other people say this so this is not by any means an original thought. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not an original uh, Branson quote but uh he always told jokes for himself first. And if you happen to find them funny as well, that's awesome. Like, yeah, welcome aboard the ride. <laughs> exactly. He, they, Norm was very much the comedian's comedian. It mm-hmm. almost like the reason Norm could never be the hugest comedian in the world wasn't because he wasn't funny or talented at his delivery. It was that his jokes were so specifically tailored to himself and to the people that found it funny as well he was very authentic both him and sag were very authentic and this is our type of humor and we're not going to change to adjust to what you think as the conventional norm of comedy yeah they didn't they didn't cast a insanely wide net i would say yeah um but the net that they did cast they had a, a pretty uh a pretty core group of people who like you said had similar comedic sensibilities yeah i mean if you look at that roast of bob saget besides you know some of the full house people being there (laughs) i mean you have norm there you have jeffrey ross there the roast master and i mean you have gilbert godfrey i mean those are four of them who are just like that's their humor and they're there and they're making some of the most shocking jokes you've ever heard on air Mm-hmm. Like, well, Norm, the great thing about Norm's segment in the roast is that he just tells jokes out of a 1940s joke book. Yeah. Norm's the one that everyone feels like is probably going to be the most controversial and ends up being the tamest in his delivery. But I mean, right. Bob in, in, a, in a strange way, he also kind of made, if you didn't understand his comedy, he kind of made you the joke. And he yeah. was just kind of the vehicle for you to see, like, Oh, that person's the joke. Like they're being a prude or something like that, you know. Um, and then, yeah, with Bob Saget, uh, just the way that he was able, especially with that roast, just to take everything in such stride. Because I've seen other roasts before, uh, and especially with the the jokes that are just like the big jokes that make people kind of gasp and then crack up. Uh. Bob Saget took them all so well. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I mean, this guy's like kind of notorious for just some of the jokes he would say, which was one of the funny things I saw about him earlier this week, where someone was talking about like Nor- uh, seeing, sorry, Bob Saget, like, you know, right at the height uh, at the end of like Full House and then going to see one of his comedy uh, tours with his family, thinking they were going to get Danny Tanner. And he comes out there and he's Bob Saget. And Bob Saget, like, if you haven't heard some of his jokes, I have a few of my favorites uh, right here. And I apologize because I'm just going to butcher how well he does these jokes. But one of his, <laughs> are, like, you going, are you going to self-censor? Uh, I might. Th- I've pulled some that are a little less okay. uh, <laughs> needing of censoring. But it's like my wife is a saint. She's Gandhi. She walks around in diapers and won't eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which is such a terrible joke and it's hysterical. Wow. It's uh, it's the it's a, the fun of thinking that you know, sort of where the joke is gonna yeah. go. I have the brain of a German Shepherd and the body of a sixteen-year-old boy. They're both in my car, and I want you to see them. <laughs> that's that's very emo Phillips. Yeah, that's this one's one of my favorite. Where he's talking about John Stamos, uh, and he refers to John Stamos's balls as having. A great hairline and then on full house john's uh penis had a mullet <laughs> like that was just the type of humor saget thought oh was hysterical oh my god like it was not clean no it was not, not by, the not family by a long shot 
friendly content that you had known from Danny Tanner. And there was kind of like a novelty in that. Like he was so well known for these types of like family shows that when you actually see who Bob Saget's humor is, it's almost like it makes the comedy feel even more special because it's even more shocking. Like if you hear any of these jokes from like any other comedian, they're funny, but they're standard jokes. What made that delivery funny is that it was Bob Saget, Danny Tanner looking Bob Saget delivering Mm. that said joke. It was, it's a, it's that whole idea of comedy comes from the subversion of expectations. And not only was Bob Saget's comedy a subversion of expectations from the joke that he was telling, but also as a new viewer of his comedy, it came from the the expect like you were saying, you're expecting to see Danny Tanner, but you that's not what you get at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's what made it so interesting because on Danny on Full House, his Danny Tanner is such a memorable and fun character. He's one of my favorite TV dads. I have so many fond memories of watching Full House. And he's such a dork on that show. Like, he's the ultimate dweeb. And, but what you got to see on that show was Bob Saget's talent for comedic delivery, but also this softer side of him that kind of allowed you to be on board for his comedy at points, where it's just like, this all kind of feels like it's coming from this, like, weird to say it, but this, like, heart that you know yeah. about him and it felt like for him to be taken seriously as a comedian post his full house career because remember he was a comedian before full house it right. felt like if he didn't want to be the route of like let's say a tim allen or uh the cable guy larry the cable guy <laughs> like he mm-hmm. had to take it a little bit raunchier because right. otherwise he's he's the dweeb from TV. Like everybody sees him as Danny Tanner. He had to change that image up a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the, it's sort of that idea where so many Disney channel stars do that same thing. It's like, you have to, you have to separate yourself from that in order to, you know, do, do the art form that you want to do at the point of life that you're in. Like there, there needs to be a certain degree of separation and some, some people handle it really poorly. And then some, like I would say Bob Saget handle it really well because I am, I'm not the biggest fan of raunchy comedy. A lot of times, like I'll listen, I'll listen to a Jim Gaffigan over a, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Hart or I don't know, uh, who's another raunchy comedian. Kevin Hart's definitely one, and then yeah, I maybe I'm Louis to, Louis C.K. Louis definitely well, a very raunchy comedian when he was active, right, big right. active, I should say. Right, and uh, I but with with Bob Saget, there's there's a certain level of authenticity to yeah, it, exactly, and it's clear that he just enjoys telling a funny story and like making people laugh, like that's his first thing. Uh, he just loves to perform, and he said that in multiple, excuse me, in multiple interviews. Uh, but with that, he—it's sort of you can tell that he's reading the energy of the room. It's—he was a master at f- crowd work. I was kind of shocked watching, yeah. listening to his like stand-up, where I'm just like, he's totally playing in because he comes in at a hundred percent. And he's getting the audience there on board. And hes you can see him testing the waters. I mean, he has this literal one joke that I was listening to where he, he what this is one of the starting ones, like first minute, which is, I can't believe this is a first minute joke. This is when like you're established with the comedian that you feel comfortable with the crowd. You don't just come out swinging with this. <laughs> and he said, did you know that two out of three people live next to a pedophile? Not me, though. I live next to two hot 12-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, wow, that's a Bob Saget out, joke? That's a Bob Saget joke. <gasps> wow. And he just comes out there swinging in the first 30 seconds. Like, that's a crazy amount of balls to just go out there and just, like, one... Obviously, you can say anything that you want about cancel culture, comedy, and all that. I know people will debate that. I'm not particularly interested in doing that. But there is something like kind of just impressive when someone goes out there and is like 
it almost no like at holds times, barred. No holds barred. And also just like, I'm going out there and this joke's going to land. Otherwise, I'm screwed. Like, <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it has, has to do to with the funny. delivery as well. Because if I think if you tell a joke like that and you realize how terrible it is, he always prefaced or like uh, followed up a joke like, that's terrible. I'm sorry. And that kind yeah. of made it funny as well because, um, you know, I, some of the funniest jokes that I've ever heard other people say, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, you can't say that. That's not right. Because it, it's funny. It's funny to laugh at stuff that you shouldn't laugh at. And like, you know, you're not, it, you shouldn't be laughing at it, but it, you can't deny that it is funny. Uh, so yeah. it puts you in like this weird, <laughs> in this weird position. And it's that follow through that he did so well, where he yeah. continues something where it was like, like I said, playing off of it. And that's kind of what Dirty Work does. Really, like, I, how do I describe Dirty Work? And it's like, in the sense <laughs> that like, yeah, it there's, doesn't there's, leave you it, to linger too long. It is what the movie is, which is a combination of Norm MacDonald's jokes, Bob Saget's jokes. Chris Farley's jokes, Adam Sandler's jokes, Artie Lang's jokes, Chevy Chase's jokes, uh, Don Wrinkles' jokes. It's literally kind Don of Wrinkles. like this. Isn't that his It's name? Don Rickles. Don Rickles. Sorry. Don Rickles. Wrinkles. Don Wrinkles yeah. is what we called him when he was old. I, Don, yeah. Don Rickles. Don Rickles. Uh, I can't remember humor. when he passed away, but I think it was a couple of years uh, ago. Yeah, a few years ago. It's all of their, like, almost best of, like, this is like what Adam Sandler's comedy is yeah. known as. This is what Chris Harley's stand-up is known as. This is what Norm looks like. This is what Artie Ling likes to do. And it's kind of just that, and the movie doesn't care that it's not anything more than that. This movie is really just 13 vignettes in a row that have this overarching plot of it's a revenge agency that Norm MacDonald starts to do the dirty work and get back at the people who've pissed you off or wronged you off. There's no real heart to it. There's no real morals. There's no real story. And it's just like, it starts as abruptly as it ends, where it's just Norm talking, and then it's Norm ending. It, and he's just like, oh, yeah, and that doctor, he got killed by his bookie. All right, that's <laughs> it. See ya. He just, like, waves off the camera, and it's done. Yeah, it's, and in a, in a strange way, This movie doesn't need to be anything how... more. Yeah, in a strange way, that's sort of how a lot of Norm MacDonald jokes <laughs> sort of end. Yeah. It's just it's like, so weird wait, that, that like, was the punchline? Yeah, and I'll say this for my hill to die on. This movie is not a good movie. Like, in the qualifications of what makes a good movie, none of them are there. But it doesn't matter. I think this movie's hysterical from top to bottom. There are so many good jokes in this movie throughout. And... Does the story make any real sense? No, not really. No. But every person who appears in this joke is just doing their thing. And it's clearly them all just having a really good time on camera. And it's them doing their comedy kind of for us in a no hold bar. And just one that's like orchestrated all kind of by Bob Saget knowing like, I don't care. This is a movie that literally was like when I when you found out it grosses. Sorry, it had a budget of $10 million and it only grossed $4.5 million. <laughs> like, you totally understand because this yeah, movie was made sense. for a very specific audience. And mm -hmm. if that audience likes Norm MacDonald, likes Bob Saget, likes them all, they're going to enjoy the heck out of this movie. It, and that's it was built only to be, who it's trying it to It was please. built to be niche. Yeah. Exactly. I think... It's built to be a comedy cult classic. It was not yeah. built to be the happy Gilmore or the dumb and dumber of that year. This was right. for a specific audience. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point about how it's all of these big comedians like Chevy Chase and Don Rickles and Norm MacDonald and, uh, you know, all these all these comedians. Yeah, Chris Farley's do, last role before yeah, he passes. Chris Farley. Yes, that's. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um they're all it it's the movie almost kind of exists as a way to tie together all of these comedians stand-up acts and the movie is just kind of happening around them as a way to kind of tenuously link one comedy act to another which is kind of interesting exactly. 
Um, that is, that's one of the few, like, really big merits that I think I could give this film, aside from the comedy. Uh, my, my hill for this movie, for Dirty Work, is, uh, well, not a great movie. Norm is always a delight. Uh, writing, the writing for this movie was first and foremost jokes, and as a result, everything kind of fell by the way, if everything else kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. Which, you know, the movie knows what it is. And while it's not a comedy masterwork by any means, it was still entertaining in a zany, uh, watch this once and then maybe look at some clips on YouTube after kind of way. <laughs> yeah. That's, and I, like I said, that's, what you, I'm, that's what I'm coining it as. Yeah. And the thing is with this movie is when you watch it, see it all the way through, you know exactly what it is. And the film knows what it is because it's only 78 minutes long. It's yeah, really it's, an extended SNL skit with each yeah, of these kind of celebrity comedies, comedians coming in for their certain specific joke. Adam Sandler's in the movie for what, like three minutes in total, and he's just Satan, and that's it. <laughs> that's the only joke big. they have with him, and he does he does the Sandler thing. We're gonna burn together. Yeah, he just does the Sandler voice, the funny character, and just like. Yeah. Norm's just sitting there react. No, no, not Satan. <laughs> just like yeah. that's what he, that's what he does. It's I, his facial expressions and the way that he's like that he just kind of like no, no. <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, like how my dad or how my uncle, if you like, said something ridiculous to them, they'd be like, oh no. And I that's that's another thing that I love about Norm's performance performances like that's just how he he delivers the jokes how he just talks normally and it's just norm playing himself almost yeah and it's the thing Saget does really i want to say well because as a director i don't think you're actually i don't i'm gonna say for Saget, this was not like one of those stressful day in day shoot like the weight of the world feeling like you're directing something and you're really trying to make something special. This really felt like Saget was going in there with all his friends making a comedy and it was for them first and foremost. And they just so yeah. happened to have a budget that allowed them to get all these funny people. Which right. it's, it's just, also it's shocking. Just a comedian, it's just comedians hanging out and there happens to be cameras rolling. Exactly. And what's also shocking about this is this is the last time you can make this movie in history is the end of the 1990s because this is when the idea for a comedy was really that's a really funny person let's just kind of let this funny person do his thing on camera that's like the <laughs> essence of what jim carrey is in the 90s like he's jim carrey let jim carrey be jim carrey on screen same with sandler uh uh obviously norm chris farley gets tommy boy and black sheep with david spade where it's just like Chris Farley's the big bumbling guy. David Spade's the sarcastic guy. Adam mm -hmm. Sandler's the weird character with a funny voice. Jim Carrey's the over-the-top crazy character. You know, Eddie Murphy in the 80s gets to just lead Beverly Hills Cop and Trading Places just based on he's Eddie Murphy and he's a comedic performer doing all these crazy characters, singing and all this. You know, Bill Murray gets Ghostbusters and Stripes where it's just, it's this is you're relying solely on how you know this comedian. And then in the two thousands, you start to get that switch. And then, where the, and then the writing, if it's, if it's well done, the writing adapts to that comedian's specific sensibilities. Yeah. Like, even though they're all comedians, Chris Farley and Eddie Murphy and, you know, all these other comedians that you mentioned, they all give a distinct, sort of performance because they have distinct sorts of comedy and they have distinct sorts of ways of speaking and different uh you know like subjects that they'll cover so yeah, it's it's exactly. interesting it's interesting to see all of that sort of happening in one movie with so many different comedians of that were that were big names in uh in the 90s in the mid to late yeah. 90s and then, like I said, then you have like the 2000s. That's when it starts switching over, it feels like, where this isn't exactly the movie. But then you see movies like Meet the Parents with Stiller, mm -hmm. Zoolander, where they're very different type of Stiller performances. It's not the traditional Ben Stiller 
character, even though he can play very similar versions of himself. Then you start getting even the Wes Andersons in the early 2000s. Uh, you get Judd Apatow coming in in 2005 with 40-year-old Virgin knocked up with the Seth Rogen, almost like existential child, man, mild, child, mannish child. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> all of that like idea like coming forward. And it's really when comedy takes a switch. Like it's really hard to like think of a movie where it's just like, this is this guy's personality on stage. Like this is how he presents himself as a comedian. And this is how he's going to do a movie. Like I'm trying to go of like all the past, like 10 years. If there's even one comedy that I can think of where it's like, this is their comedy led. And this isn't trying to be anything more than their comedy on a film. Like what dirty work is the, like even the ones like that do it. Like, you know, Judd Apatow gave Pete Davidson a movie in The King of Staten Island. That is not just a straight-up Pete Davidson-type comedy in there. There's Pete Davidson comedy in there, but it's also trying to tell a little bit more of a profound, mature story along right. with that. And like an actual, this an is, actual real try story, that. like the real story of Pete Davidson's dad. <laughs> yeah, this one doesn't try to do that. It is solely like, this is Norm MacDonald's comedy transferred onto film. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's the story, the story as well, like you said, is so outlandish. It's so cartoonish. And the more you think about it, the more you're like, the more it, the story starts to look like Swiss cheese. Cause you can, you can think yourself so many holes in this story. Like how'd they get a business license for dirty work? How? Yeah, of course. Like, I, I mean, that's just, that's just the first preliminary, like thing that i can think of but the the story sort of fits with that with that zany world that you know chevy chase appears in so often that chris farley appears in so often that norm mcdonald's uh, norm mcdonald appears in so often and also tells jokes about all the jokes that he tells on like conan all the jokes that he told on on shows like Conan and uh and Letterman and stuff like that. The the those jokes could just as easily take place in this world of 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 dirty work. Yeah. Like all these all these weird characters and then everyone's life story just leads up to this crappy punchline. Yeah, exactly. And with it, the reason this film it's not that the reason this film works is because Bob Sackett directed it, but the only director I could actually think of directing this movie would be Bob Sackett because you also just have to have this element of I don't care. Like there's only the right. t- this the type of comedian he is is the one that would allow him to direct a movie like this. Others would try to still be like I have a career as a director. Like I need to do something more. Like or even we the need, people who directed or we need like to interrupt the we need to interrupt the the comedy for, you know, a little bit of a tug like, on your heartstrings. Look at, like, Tommy Boy, which is a movie I really love. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, you know, that director ended up trying to do things and they wanted a career. Like, they had gone, they had done Wayne's World, they had wanted to go in Tommy Boy. They wanted to be a comedic director. Bob Sackett doesn't. He's just like, I'm a comedian and I'm directing this film. And the reason, like, it's with that is that he also works so well off these comedians because... I think you get to see shades of Bob Saget in each of these kind of performances. You know, I think of the ones that are most similar, I feel like Norman Saget's humor is probably maybe the closest, but then you also get to have the kind of the fun slapstick characters that kind of resemble a little bit more of Danny Tanner and Sandler and uh, Sandler and Chris Farley with, of mm-hmm. course, then you kind of get the guys who influenced Saga, which would have been Chevy Chase on SNL, who is not only an influence for uh, uh, Bob Saget, also a huge influence for Norm. Chevy Chase mm-hmm. saying that Norm's the only one who actually ever understood how to do weekend updates on oh SNL. Like, so that's like an honor. Norm's weekend updates are so Are the funny. funniest things in the world. And like I said, I mean... There's so many just off-the-wall jokes in this movie that are literally just kind of Norm's weird ramblings. Like, one of my favorite ones is the prison joke. Do you know what they do to prisoners in prison? <laughs> and then him coming out the next second out of prison, like, clearly Utterly something ridiculous. happening to him. 
And he's just like, you fellas have a lot of growing up to do. I'll tell you that. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Can you believe these characters? Way out of line. Way out of line. Have a good mind to go to the <laughs> warden about this. You know what hurts the most? The, the lack of respect. The lack of respect. You know, that's what hurts the most. Except for except for the other thing. That hurts the yeah, most. That, but the lack of respect. <laughs> the lack respect of respect hurts the hurts second, the second most. most. It's just him rambling. And it's hysterical. It's it's the fact that like that is not that is not how a normal person would that's react. That's not how a person. That's, that's not how a normal person talks. That's how yes, Norm McDonald. But that is how Norm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many other ones. Like one of the my favorite characters, just randomly for a fun appearance, is when Chevy Chase gets to be on screen. It's one of the last great like Chevy Chase comedic movie performances. Where mm-hmm. he's just like delivering it all, all on, and the joke that he has about where he's like this degenerate gambler, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I bet on Mr. T," and it's just like, "Wait a minute, Mr. T, are you telling me that you bet on the fight in Rocky Three, and you bet against Rocky?" <laughs> <laughs> Chase is like, "Hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend." <laughs> They're so ridiculous One of- in their dumbness that it works because it's a movie. Right. This is the ultimate, you quote this to your buddies who like this movie, movie. Yeah, this, in uh, the, the phrase that I was thinking of was a turn your brain off sort of movie. Um, and I don't, uh, another one that just popped into my head, neither one of us partake, uh, but nor have a desire to, but I feel like this would be a movie that people would watch when high. Yeah. And, and I think this one's think more of a drunk movie to me. Funniest thing, a drunk like, movie. Like this seems like this is like one of those ones where you just have fun drunk. Okay, yeah, maybe high movies. That's more Seth Rogen. That that fits that's kind of where I feel the... like like Seth Rogen kind of has this weird like existentialism to his like comedy and this mm-hmm. really crazy absurdism and visuals to style to it, where it just kind of goes off the rail crazy. Norm Macdonald's just so contained of who he is that it kind of mm-hmm. feels more like one you'd enjoy drunk because the laughs are only heavier where weed like yeah. sometimes what it for my understanding you know kind of mellows you kind of like you start losing focus mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't know we don't we're like i said we've never partaken so uh <laughs> yeah our our <laughs> we can't speak from experience uh maybe you can leave us a comment yeah um but <laughs> <laughs> there's so many just like Dr. Farthing has some of the funniest jokes in it where he's just like, for $600, I can sell you a perfectly good hospital bed. (laughs) $600. Okay, you drive a hard bargain. $550. (laughs) I can tell you. There's so many. I mean, they literally, like, they just recycled the jokes that make Norm famous on SNL, where it's even the full thing with the tape recorder. Note to self. Like, that's a classic Norm MacDonald bit. Right. One of my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes that's like a recurring joke in the film is uh, Norm getting thrown out of <laughs> either entering frame, exiting frame, uh, by just being thrown by someone, by some invisible yes. force. And he like lands in a dumpster from off screen or you know, falls down the steps or <laughs> like, I think it happens like four or five times. And every oh, yeah. time it, it cracked me up. I, it, maybe it, that's like the monkey brain sort of like my brain is totally off. That's why I'm finding this slapstick. It's funny, what this but... movie is. It's, it's the comedy that you don't have to think about. Like the jokes just right there. And it's never like, Oh, is, are they going anywhere else with this joke? No, that's the joke. Like, there's so many yeah. of them. Like, the example of just, like, Dr. Farthing, what happened to your arm? Well, it was either from sleeping on the wrong way or book, bookies throwing me out a speeding car. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's other ones. And like, Chris Farley's, like, I... delivery in this movie is hysterical. Uh, like, when Completely Chris Farley just goes off the rails, I saw Happy... As no, usual. I saw, sorry, not Happy Gilmore. I saw uh, Billy Madison this weekend where he plays mm-hmm. the bus driver. Very similar performance. Where it's just like he's just kind of this big lumbering guy, and then something like gets him, and he's like, "There's the Saigon whore who bit off my nose." Just like that's such a, that's such a strange joke. Yeah, 
I he's uh I mean Chris Farley's another comedian that's just a just a strange addition to the the lexicon of comedy, but man, such a valuable addition too. Everything everything that he's in, he's completely nuts. And it's it's hilarious because I don't think I've ever met anyone in real life that is that kind of character. Uh, so he, he's just like a big walking caricature. It's fun. It's yeah. I yeah, exactly. It's like I think I think we've I think we've talked about this movie as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, at, at that as far at as the, comedy the next goes. part is it really just like it would really just be us throwing jokes back at each other. Is there like a few lines in the movie that you're just like? Every time I see it, it, it kills me like this. Or I guess your first time seeing it, but it's just like, God, that joke's like just off the rolls comedy for me. For me, it is the joke where he's coming out of prison. It's the lack that of one, respect. Yeah, that one. That one's pretty funny. Uh, I like the. Um, I mean, I, just the joke where he keeps getting thrown out of things is 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 great. Yeah, uh, the I, hospital bed's really funny. The ending's just mm-hmm. bye. <laughs> he got killed by his bookies. Bye. And well, that's that's, that's hilarious because he, Chevy Chase does have a line where he's like, "I don't know why he cut off my toes if he's just gonna kill me four days later." Yeah, and presumably he does get killed four days later. So yeah, it's like <laughs> they set There's, up the joke. Way before, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, this, there's so many random ones. Wacky. One of my favorites is uh, when they're the dirty, uh, the when they open the business dirty work and they're doing the revenge like kind of like montage, and they show the one of Men in Black who like to have sex with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Just such a like very of, norm it's, joke it's of its era joke. Like it's like Men in Black's the biggest movie. What if this one's just men in black who like to have sex with each other? <laughs> I, it, <laughs> such, it was such a it was such a Norm McDonald on weekend way. update uh, joke because he would always do it would either be that sort of joke where it's like uh, the new movie Men in Black came out to rave reviews, the quickly launched sequel men in black who the quickly launched a uh, porno sequel men in black who also like to have sex with each other didn't do as well like i yeah, could see exactly. that That's turning like into his, a punchline like, a lot of this movie is just their weekend update like the character is satan's essentially character adam sandler would have played on weekend update yeah same with yeah. chris farley's even to a degree and i mean chevy chase playing the character that is a doctor who's also has a gambling addiction and is being beaten up by his uh, bookies. That's an SNL like character right there. Like there's been so many type of premises in that. Like I said, this movie like is not particularly like clever in its way, but it is what it is. It's this weird, like you get to see kind of all these comedians in weird stages of their career. I think at this point you would probably say this is kind of the peak Norm McDonald where it's like he had just gone fired from, SNL. Did he uh, get fired from SNL? Yes, he gets or did fired he just... for making the OJ jokes. Oh, right. Of so course. he's like, this is the peak where people are like really into his comedy. Adam Sandler, of course, this is not. I wouldn't say this is his peak, but this is when he's starting to become the biggest comedian in the world for that mm-hmm. era in the two thousands. Like Chris Farley, this is obviously the end for him. Chevy Chase, this kind of feels like his last real breath before community comes out in 2009 on a mm-hmm. TV show. This kind of feels like his last big, like, Oh, that's a Chevy chase movie. That's funny. Don Rickles, you know, he's getting older, but he still gets to kind of be that legendary comedian at that point. This is like having, at this point, it would be like having George Carlin in your movie, like Jersey girl does yeah, with Kevin Smith, good... where it's just like, that's the guy we all look up to. So it's like, there's almost like that's this level point. of respect that he's in it. Bob Saget, you know, post, full house when people are now starting to realize who he is as a comedian <laughs> and starting to see that more adult side to his where humor he's that not, where he's not bound he's not by uh, he's not bound by uh tv regulation yeah exactly as much. like it's all these like comedians just in it and it's just a fun movie to watch 
And it's one that I'm glad exists just because it's this nice little uh, compilation of all these comedians doing it together and having fun together in a plot that is all such their style of humor that like, it's like, if you want to know what Norm McDonald's comedy kind of looks like, this is very much what Norm's type of comedy looks like. And that's kind of the same with Sagan. Like, this is the type of just absurdist, over-the-top, cringy, weird that they both enjoyed. And they both enjoyed making something so different that wasn't made for anybody. And by making it for no one, it kind of makes it accessible to everybody. Right, yeah. I And the jokes are so rapid-fire that if you didn't like one or didn't get one, I think I've I've mentioned this before about other movies, uh, about other comedy movies, uh, there will be another joke. Yeah, exactly. There's always one. Will probably a second like. later. Where and it's just like, so and if you don't like this character in there, with so many different styles, th- you're bound to find one character that you think is like top tier hilarious. Exactly. And I think it's like I said. I think it's just a fun watch. It's great to see all these comedians together, and it's just this kind of nice like movie. Now looking back to kind of see Bob and Norm's friendship, mm-hmm. uh, not on screen, because of course Bob Saget's not on screen, but just to kind of just get this nice little like token, I guess, of their friendship in a movie at yeah. what feels like for most of these comedians, what would be considered kind of the peak of like all of their talents. Like none of them are like, this is a obscure comedian at this point who's like back. This is like Chevy Chase, despite being Chevy Chase of the 90s and having a lot of flops in the Chevy Chase show, He's still, I'm Chevy Chevy, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. Like from yeah. his old SNL. Like that's still Chevy. He still looks like Chevy. He still feels like Chevy. He still sounds like Chevy. And yeah. with that, that's kind of my thoughts on Dirty Work. Uh, with the one joke I forgot to mention being, I don't know why uh, I quote it all the time. And it's like, why? it's the scene for me that I think of when I think of Dirty Work. And it's the scene with them, uh, their first uh, prank essentially the first revenge plot uh in the car dealership mm-hmm. with the oh look is that a dead hooker oh i've never seen so many dead hookers in my life <laughs> i don't know why that joke's always killed me i think that's just like the way norm delivers it like just the trunks are opening nonchalantly it's just like oh right. my god as as he closes <laughs> one another one gets open yeah, and, and he then he tries to close like that one rhythm so it's just such a it's just like a perfect encapsulation of just what Norm obviously thought was funny. And right. he doesn't care if you find it funny. He thought it was funny and he kept it in the movie. And I love him for that. And that's yeah. my thoughts on Dirty Work. Yeah, I guess my final thought, I can't remember if I said this, but if I did, it it still bears repeating. Um, something that I love about this movie is just you can tell when Bob Saget was like, okay, this is your scene. Yeah. What do you want to do with this? And then mm. let let the comedians be funny. Exactly. But not not in a way that's distracting. It's in a way like the the script was built to be funny, so let them be funny. And he did. Yeah. So that's he Bob Saget loves comedy. He loves entertaining people. And this script is a good example of that. Where He's yeah. just letting comedy be comedy. Exactly. I fully agree. And with that, I know this is the segment where we usually will transition over to the great debate. I thought it'd be a little bit more maybe fun and poignant to just kind of talk our favorite like Bob Saget memories or roles or just whatever. Like if there's like a certain like joke or line or image that comes up to you when you think Bob Saget. Uh, hmm. So I can go first, Branson. Mm hmm. So for me, it's there's a few moments in Full House because like for me, that is where I grew up watching Bob Saget the most. So there's a few moments where it's just like one of my favorites is this one where uh, he hosts the show Wake Up San San Francisco and he like starts this. uh, He's uh, this band's playing the song. Jesse and the Rippers is playing the song uh, by Tina Turner. Uh, what's the name of the song? Left a good job in the city, working for the man every night and day. Um, uh, big, big wheels wheel keep, keep on, on rolling. Uh, Proud Mary, Proud Mary, keep on rolling. I think it's yeah. rolling no, it's on the Proud river. Mary rolling on the river is the name of the song. But it's called oh. Proud Mary rolling on the river. 
in parentheses. In, he's, in parentheses. He just starts it. I was it. close. Yeah. He just starts it in this way where he's just like, I'll always remember the line delivery because I quote it all the time where he's just like, you know, you watch Wake Up San Francisco to feel all calm and relaxed in the morning. But this morning, I had a little bit too much coffee. And then he just starts doing this thing. He's doing this nerdy, nerdy dance just where he's just like spinning around in the circles and he opens his jacket and just like keeps opening oh, back and forth the, his jacket. And he's just like, proud Mary, keep on scene. rolling. And then he sees DJ and the whole thing. And he's just like, DJ, keep on rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> and they do this whole musical number. That's one of my favorite ones. He has this, he has another musical joke in Full House where he decides to perform for DJ's, uh, school charity or fundraiser or something like that. So he performs with Jesse and the Rippers and he performs my generation by the who, and he comes out, Mm -hmm. you know, black hair, just kind of all flowing. He's got his leather jacket, black pants, tight black shirt on. And he does, he jumps on and he's just like, people try to put it. And then he just does the whole thing. And he's just like, my generation doing all all that. (laughs) It's just the, it's just the ability to do comedic timing that's at that point was very family friendly and so funny and just so personable. And then finally, mm-hmm. like another joke on Full House that I'll never forget is obviously anytime the house is dirty and him being just the ultimate like clean freak. And there's this episode where uh, Stephanie drives the car through the house and then like uh, John Stamos and uh, Dave Collier's character, Uncle Joey and Jesse, they're trying to like prep him for like what he's about to see in the kitchen. He just like wide eye, all this stuff. He's like, look at my kitchen. Look at this mess. I just cleaned these floors. <laughs> I, like I said, there's so many stuff in Stamos. Obviously his comedy, uh, I mentioned the roast of Bob Sag, which if you haven't seen, it's really raunchy, but it's really funny. He has this really random appearance in Half Bake where he's like, oh yeah, I'm no longer a marijuana. Like marijuana is bad for you. That's why I just do straight up cocaine. (laughs) So he plays the cocaine addict. Like I said, he had so much just like craziness in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, always for me, it's always going to be. He is Danny Tanner to me. Even like I've I've seen his stand up like a lot. I know him outside of it. It's to me, it's just hard to not associate him with Danny Tanner. And I think he did something really special in that role where he's probably – the one that you might forget about in that cast where it's just like John Stamos is John Stamos. Like uncle Jesse is, you know, everyone loves uncle Jesse. Joey's, you know, the comedian like guy where he's the one who gets to have the puppets. He's the one who gets to make the funny noises. He gets to kind of be the Jim Carrey. Danny Tanner has to play it a lot of straight on that. And for being Mm -hmm. the ultimate straight man in that show, he gets to have a lot of just when he gets to have that kind of fun side to him, he does it so well with mixing that heart because that show is actually very sweet but yeah, that's kind of my like, heart that's kind of mine so branson do you have any before we go off air yeah i there's not too much um not too many memories i had of of bob saget i didn't really watch full house that much i've seen a, i've seen a few episodes uh but i was watching some of his stand-up today and he had a really interesting story. I I never knew that he knew about this, but he was talking about Tourette's guy. Yes. Uh, and if uh-huh. you don't know, if you guys don't know who Tourette's guy is, uh, in on YouTube like ten years ago, there was this guy named Tourette's guy, and he was very uh, uh, he he cursed a lot, and he would uh do. It was it was pretty funny in in the same sort of like turn your brain off sort of way, but uh-huh. often one of the expletives that he would shout if he like banged his head on a lamp or like hit something with his car and the alarm started going off, he would yell, "Oh, Bob Saget!" Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Bob Saget did a did a bit about that, and he was like, "I hate that guy." Someone told me that he died, and I was like. Yeah, that's okay with me. <laughs> I was like, wow, just to hear just to hear Bob Saget be so aware of the Tourette's guy and then just like totally take it the opposite way that I thought he was going to and just like cr- like take pot shots after pot shot directly at Tourette's guy was so funny. 
so yeah. I, I really liked that bit. And then, you know, all the all the bits that I watched of his, uh, there was at least one time where I laughed out loud or I was like, did the sort of, oh my gosh, kind of laugh. But yeah, yeah I, like I said, if you ever get the opportunity, entertaining. yeah, if you ever get the opportunity, watch that roast of Bob Saget. Like if you can handle that type of comedy, it's kind of the peak oh of goodness. all those guys just doing their thing. Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey's Godfrey. monologue in there is one of the craziest things I've ever watched. Godfrey's We're, like, can't say, I cannot say any say of the, the joke, joke that he says, but it's the, if you know what it is, it's called no. the aristocrats joke. Which just, it starts somewhere and it goes yeah. nowhere. And that's the point of the joke. And the point is to one up each other. That's kind of, the, that's just the premise of the joke. And yeah. Gottfried does this post 9 11, <laughs> like literally two weeks after 9 11. And when everybody just needed that laugh and just takes it to one of the most extremes, extremes, I can't even believe it aired on television extreme. Yeah, but I, it's insane. It's a crazy that it 10 aired. minute joke. Watch the roast if you'd, like I said, if you have it and you can handle that humor. It's a lot, and it's really funny. And it's just guys yeah. like just being on there on stage having fun. Uh, but anyway, right. uh, that's I kind think of that'll our do it discussion. For this episode. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe uh, to our channel, onto my YouTube channel. Uh, thank Spotify, you. I just cro- Spotify added a feature that and you can now rate podcasts on oh, Spotify. Really? So rate us on rate us five uh, stars uh, on Spotify. Uh, thank you guys. I can say rate just five saw... stars and not have it be an old YouTube reference. Exactly. Get it uh, there. Let's uh, also, uh, I just noticed before we went on air, my Don't Look Up review has now officially crossed the 500 mark. So Woo! thank you guys Only for that. Only 500 more though... until 1,000. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for that, even though uh, the uh, vehement disagreement in the chat is uh yeah there's a disconnect between what you guys apparently thought of the movie don't look up which is terrible (laughs) all you guys do is make (laughs) me like think about the movie more and i think more about how i dislike it before i was like mixed and then like when i read through a comment i'm like yeah you know i didn't like that scene at all (laughs) like now that i think about that was like kind of really lame So all I thought about it more is that I'm just like, I dislike it more than I did when I first All right, before Ben gets before Ben gets this episode flamed, uh, thanks yeah. for listening. Follow us at pertinent links. They're always in the episode description. They're always in the chat. Thank you guys uh, for listening. Tune in next Check week as we talk about the Royal Blazing Saddles. Oh, no, Royal, no, Royal Tenenbaums. Next Blazing the week after is Blazing Saddles. All yeah. right. Uh, uh, we'll thanks be for listening, either everybody. In person or not, we'll figure it out. But thank you guys for yeah. listening. Check out the Beniverse. Thank you all. Take care. Bye bye. Adios.